0: this concept of prayer that we've been dealing with in the past three weeks and two more weeks to go um, it it has a weirdness to it doesn't it it it, it gets sort of weird and in in several different ways Um, first of all it it sort of crosses a line so you say the word prayer or pray and and um, there are some cultural things that come to bear so if I say Let's pray. What do you do? What, what do you do when I say let's pray? You close your eyes at least, or some, some of you bow your head, some of you fold your hands, right? That's, that's, that's because Jesus said to do that, right? It'd be hard to find anything anywhere about what that posture has to do with prayer. It's just kind of a cultural thing. Um, if you travel the world and you meet people who follow Jesus in other spaces, like for instance, if you were to go to Korea and, and they were to say, let's pray, uh, you would be blown away because everyone starts talking at the same time. I mean, it is like crazy at least from an American who grew up with the kind of religious traditions that says bow your heads and pray, one person speaks at a time. Um, There's no really um, sense of decorum or rules or uh, uh, strategy or procedures or anything that that we're really given in in terms of of what it means to pray. In fact, if we were, we, we use one word, uh, the Bible uses at least seven words to talk about this relationship that we build with God, this language that God speaks as he wants to help us understand what it means to be his child and to become his friend. And, and those, those words sort of give us some, some ideas, like the word confession, confession to say the same thing with God uh, or or to ask of God. And and unfortunately, in in Western culture, I think, uh, the word pray just sort of kind of is synonymous with asking God for things. It's almost as if um, we have developed our own personal Jesus, our own personal God, right? You know, that, that song's not about you being able to shape Jesus in the way that, that you want him to be. You know, Ricky Bobby, he wants the little tiny Jesus, you know, with the golden fleece diapers or whatever. You know, it, 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 it's not about you getting a chance to shape Jesus the way you want. It's about a, an opportunity for you to understand who Jesus wants to be in our world. And so we, we have this. Uh, this set of, of, of truths or stories that come in the Bible that kind of help us see this and understand what it means to really just, as, as Dan taught last week, to, for us to just pray simply, just, just simple prayers. Or the week before, that, that prayer has sometimes a, a, a waiting a sense of angst um, for it. And so we, we, we pray and wait. And today we're going to talk about praying on the move. And really for me, this is kind of like if we think about where do you sit in, in, in the, the concept of prayer? Where do you, where's the center? Where do you find the most meaning and the most you know, practical? It, it's this piece right here. Because it's the core of of what Jesus was uh, was attempting to teach us. There's a story in in Mark. Jesus uh, comes upon his disciples. Apparently they had broken into into two different groups. And one group had gone ahead. And and so the passage starts with with they met up with the other disciples. So, So there was... One group, and then Jesus comes, and and they were having an argument. There was was a problem. And there was a guy who had a son, and his son was um, suffering from severe epilepsy, uh, convulsions and, and things of that sort. You know, and and as we kind of engage the Bible, we can engage it on one of two levels. We can attempt to to look at some of those things that happened there, and we can say that there are material explanations for everything. And so we could follow this epilepsy diagnosis to its back, you know, to its root. But in this case, Jesus discovers that this child is possessed with an evil spirit. And so he comes upon this man, and and this man, he's a bit upset because he knows the reputation of Jesus apparently. When you read the story, he he knew who Jesus was, and he knew what his disciples, the people who hung with Jesus, ought to be able to do because apparently the the rumors or the news had been that he had, had healed people like this in other places. And so this man says to Jesus, these guys, they didn't get the job done. They, they're useless. And, and so Jesus moves into the situation, and immediately as he moves into the situation, uh, these evil spirits are reacting to Jesus' presence, and he ultimately casts those evil spirits out, and the child lays down, they think he's dead. Jesus grabs his hand, he gets up, and he's in his right mind. But the key of the story is what happens when Jesus and the disciples go indoors. Apparently, this is all happening outdoors. So apparently, they you know, found a coffee shop or a bar or something, and they stuck their heads inside, and they're sitting down, and the disciples ask the core question, why couldn't we do that? Well, what's the deal? You know, you didn't give us the secret sauce you didn't give us the magic elixir. You didn't give us the, the incantation we needed to, to deal with the spirit. And Jesus just simply gives them a, a, a statement that I think is what causes me to think that, that when we think about these five topics of prayer, that this is the this is the, the, the moment, this is where the center of gravity is. And Jesus says, He says, some. Some spirits only come out with prayer. Now, what's funny about that? And it, you know, there's nothing funny about the situation, this kid, and the tragedy of this family, and all that kind of stuff. But, but what's funny is after it's over and it's this is resolved, it's like you you, you think about one of those moments when Jesus says to his disciples, and you would think that. You wouldn't have to spend that much time with Jesus to figure out that, 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 that praying, that connecting with God is an important thing. But what happens with these guys is they forget to pray. They just forget to pray. I mean, can you identify with that? I mean, let's face it. The word prayer probably brings up as much guilt in people who pretend to be followers of Jesus than anything else. You know, we, it's like, oh, I forgot to pray. Oh, I should have prayed. I, you know, I don't pray enough. You know, and you hear stories. Uh, I, I relate to some people around the globe, and people say, these guys pray four hours a day. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. I'm such snake spit, you know. I, 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 four hours a day. Where do you find time to pray four hours a day, you know. And, and, and so there's this, there's this sense of guilt. It's like, they just forgot to pray. I love that in the middle of this stories of Jesus' life because it helps me understand that these guys are just like me. I mean, how often do I forget to pray? But what's interesting is bringing some definition to exactly what that means. To, to really understand, you know, what does that mean that, that they forgot? To pray, So we find in Jesus' life a, a, a number of, of, of different things. Uh, Jesus says in, in, the, in, in John, as he's talking about his life and, and how he relates as a human being, he was the perfect human being, God who came in the flesh, this God who existed in three persons, and he says... I do not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all of the things that I have spoken. So Jesus, in his normal everyday life, had this connection with the Father. I'm assuming that there's that connection is him praying because he doesn't say anything that he doesn't get from the Father. Over in an earlier chapter in John Uh, Jesus says uh, he's he's being uh, assailed by the religious people and they want to understand why he's doing what he's doing and Jesus says, uh, I, I tell you this truth, he says the son, me, can do nothing by himself, he can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does the son does and so Jesus has this Dependence, this sense of practicing the presence of his Father. I think that's why when Jesus got to the very last day of, on this planet as a human being, just before he ascended into heaven, Jesus gives this command to his followers. And he says, go, make disciples of all nations. It's commonly referred to as the Great Commission. It's the last command that Jesus gave. But what he says before it and what he says after it are really important. He says, I'm with you always. I am with you always. And then he gives the command and, and some things that go along with it. And then he says, and I'll be with you. I'll be with you until the very end. When you cross the finish line, I'll be there. And I want you to know that I was there from the starting to the beginning and all the way through. I, I'm there. And so the, the question becomes for you and I, what does talking with God, what does building a relationship with a father And for those of you who are looking in from the outside and you're thinking, you know, what this is all about. And and you're still feeling like you're a creature and and, and you talk to God. But there's a a different relationship that God offers us. And that is being a child. Jesus says in John 1, to as many as received him, to as many as, as begin to live in obedience to all that he's taught. They get the right to become the children of God. And so we have this beautiful metaphor. Now, I realize that for, for some of us, the, the, the father metaphor does not work. It's a non-starter in your life because your earthly father was less than, than good. And, and I get that. And, and, and my prayer for you is that that. We could redeem that for you. We could, we could help you understand, even though your father might not have been all that you wanted him to be, that there is a perfect father in heaven who wants to be that father for you. He, he wants to, to be what your father wasn't. And so I hope, hope you can get over that hump and, and lean into What it would look like. And Jesus gives us these pictures of what the heart of your father is like. Like in Luke 15 when the the father has a son who asks for half of his inheritance before the father dies. And the father gives it to him. And he goes off and he squanders it. And we see this father in Luke 15 on the edge of town waiting for this idiot son to come home. That's the picture that God wants you to have of him as your father. Because despite however you might have offended him, despite whatever you might have done, he is looking for you to come home. That's how much he wants to connect with us. That's how much he wants to be a part of our everyday life. He wants to be there when you take out the trash. He wants to be there when you get up in the morning and feel like crap because of what you've done the night before. You know, he, he wants to be there when, when you are bored to tears and you pick up your phone and you think, I'll just, I'll just find some meaning in life by looking at pornography on my phone and get a little bounce, get a little something in my life. He wants to be there in those moments of our life, but it's, It's important that you and I not only know that, but we learn to practice that. Because he he does want to communicate to us. Now I have never heard God's voice audibly. Never. And if I did, I'm not sure I could I'd have to change my underwear. Um, you know, I I but 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 I do feel a sense of God speaks to me. Like this morning I'm in the shower. And I've got some dear friends who I, I knew in another life before I ever got to Kansas City. And um, a year ago, um, their grown son with, with several kids and a beautiful wife and, and stuff, um, who, who, who was a veteran and had served you know, in some really tough places. Um, he chose to take his life and this morning I'm in the shower. I I haven't talked to them, I haven't seen them, but I just got this overwhelming sense. Tell them, tell them that, that, that at least you are thinking about the struggle they have of living without this dear son of theirs. And that God cares for them because he moved you to send them a text. And and I don't know about you, but it, it, it took me a while to act on those things. It took me a, a while to, to actually do something about that. I lived for a while thinking that intentions were okay. Well, I intended to, and, and I was satisfied with that. Oh, that was a really good thought, and you're a really good guy for thinking that good thought. And you know, frankly, that's just uh, That's just wrong. Absolutely wrong intentions mean nothing. Actions mean everything. And so taking the the personal risk to to speak to someone, to reach out and to touch them, I don't know what it means to them. I don't really care. I just feel like God said that. And And it comes from us understanding that that God wants to be present and active in our lives. And he wants us to learn to let him into our world. He wants us to be able to practice some of the things that that we looked at last week. You know, to be really simple in the things that we share with him. To focus in on on what's going on in our world and, and let that be known. You know, and, and it's, 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 it's okay that, that you struggle theologically. Oh, God knows everything. He does. You know, my kids growing up thought I knew everything as well. You know, the, I would, you know, the parent network would get back, you know, and they would do something, and I would learn about it before they got home, and they just thought, my dad's omniscient. You know, how does he know all these things? And it's like, well, parents just used to communicate. I don't think, I'm I'm not sure they do anymore. But but parents used to communicate and build a network around their kids. And and I would know. But I still wanted to know what my kids were up to. I still wanted to hear their voice. I, I wanted them to put the words together. I wanted to feel the tone of the words. I wanted to feel the emotion in the words. I wanted all of that just as God wants to feel all of that as well. It's, it's really about this idea of, of coming to grips with what Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians. It, it's, it, it's kind of bizarre for a moment, you know, to think about this. But, but in 1 Thessalonians, um, at the very end of the, of the chapter, if you, you read this book, sometimes in Paul's letters when he's writing, uh, it, at the end of his, his letters, there's this rapid fire kind of, look, remember this and this and this and this. And, and he gets to, to verse 16 of chapter 5 of his first letter, and he says, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. That's, that's, that's pretty tough, but, you know, you, you don't have to stay in the Bible to discover that gratitude is a powerful thing. It abounds in our culture. Just go out and Google on your phone. How important is Gratitude. And you're going to be bombarded with all kinds of stuff that Google will give you. And we discover that the Bible is true. Gratitude for you and I is vital. And so Paul says, rejoice always. You know, I, I find myself testing that when I, I was taking out the trash not long ago, and I had, we don't... Put our recycling stuff in a, in a bag it just goes out in a, in a trash can and so it was windy and I dump the trash can the, the recycling stuff into the, the bin and as I do I, I allow enough room for the wind and the where it's going to have an impact and all of a sudden I've got all this recyclable stuff all over my yard. And, and at that moment, I don't know why it is, uh, sometimes like, oh, God, why? But at that moment, this verse comes into my mind. Rejoice always. I, what is there to rejoice about? I am wasting time picking up things. But, but God is wiser than I am. He, he knows better than me. He, he He realizes that when when the gravity of my life is toward gratitude, something radically changes. And so as I move, as I move throughout the day, looking for things to be thankful for, looking for ways to thank God, finding triggers in my world to be thankful. Now, that's not just the the fun things, thank you, Father, that I made all the lights this morning, and, you know, I didn't have to stop, but it's like, thank you that you caused me to wait, or thank you that I get a chance to serve. I was on a plane last week, and, you know, the plane pulls up, and <clears throat> it's, it's the only piece of, of, of aviation technology that they haven't really perfected over the years, and that is the exit from the airplane. You know, they, they bring this long tube up and they've got all these cool things that come out and plug into it so you don't have to walk off a deal through the, you know, the weather into a terminal, that kind of stuff. You got all this kind of cool technology. But, but you know, I, I long for the day when you pull up and, and that tube is like a, a clam that just opens up and everyone just walks sideways off at the same time and, and it takes zero time to get off a plane. That's my idea. If you patent it, I'll sue you, Okay. <laughs> Um, but it doesn't happen that way does it plane pulls up stops and then all of a sudden everyone starts standing up and you're not sure why they're standing up because they're not going to go anywhere for 10 minutes you know they're just going to stand there you know okay back and forth and make jokes and that kind of stuff but i noticed that as everybody stood up one lady stayed seated and i thought hmm smart person she's got patience She's just going to wait. And so I'm in the aisles hanging. I'm tall, so I'm hanging on the, the you know, the, the, the bins are up, and I, and I hang on it, and I notice that just above her seat is a pair of crutches. And I went, hmm, I wonder if those belong to her. And all of a sudden, this prayer thing starts working. Father, I think she's seated because it doesn't make sense for her to stand and fight this crowd. She's going to wait for everybody to get off because she's got to get those crutches down. And she's got to walk off with the crutches. And so, God won't let me go here. I'm thinking, you should hand her those crutches. I'm thinking, well, what if they're not her crutches? What if they belong to someone else? What if I get embarrassed by trying to hand someone crutches that, aren't belong, that don't belong? What if they get mad at me? You know, what, what, what if I cause a scene? All this kind of crap goes off in my mind. You know, it's just, like, ridiculous. And, and God said, hand her those crutches. And so I grabbed the crutches. I said, hey, hey, are these yours? I tried to be as humble and as meek and as, you know, like, I, I, so that I... And, and, and she goes, oh, thank you so much. And I noticed there was a bag by the crutches, and I thought, there is not a snowball's chance in hell she's going to be able to negotiate that bag and those crutches and get off this plane. So God wouldn't leave me alone. So it's like, ask if the bag's hers. Oh, please, please. Just let me get off the plane, get my rental car. Just let me go where I'm going. You know? And it's like, is this bag yours? Yeah, it is. I said, could I take it up to the front and leave it for you up there? Oh, I would, I'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. And so I you know, grab the bag and I got my bag and I lug it off and I put it up there and I go on. You know. But that moment, that moment changes me. That, that moment sensitizes me. It, it's a moment where I discover that, that when I have a connection with God, when I'm on the move, I can actually hear God. I can pray. I can talk to him and he can talk to me. And you know what? It creates a, a spirit of gratitude in me. It creates something that, that, that just bubbles up inside me. And so, what, what if you and I chose to find ways, to find triggers in our world to pray on the move? If everything became an excuse to connect with our Father, whether it was a, a red light, or whether it was having to drive on icy streets, or whether it was seeing our kids in the morning, and whether they're grumpy, or whether they're you know smiling, or whatever it might be, or whether I get to eat breakfast, or whether I don't get to eat breakfast. What if, what if, if we begin to look for triggers? You know, we all have triggers, don't we? You know, people trigger us. You know, it's big today. You know, oh, I got triggered, you know. And it's never positive, is it? We're always looking for something to be upset about. You know, we're always looking for something to, to piss and moan about. You know, it's like we're, we just look for those kind of things. King Solomon said, humans, humans are, are, are born to trouble like sparks fly upward. <laughs> it's, just, it's just natural, isn't it? But what if, as we make this move from being a creature-creator relationship with God to being a father-child relationship, what if we make this move in such a way that we begin to say, okay, I'm going to do what Paul says, rejoice always. And he goes on to say, pray without ceasing. So all day long becomes a dialogue with God. You know, if you, if you want to take a huge bite of this pie, there's a book by an old, old guy, and it's called Practicing the Presence of God. And, and he just sort of begins to, it's a small book, doesn't take you long to read, but it's, it's written a long time ago, so the English is not modern English in a sense, but, but he does simply bring God into the center of our world. And we begin this dialogue with this God who becomes formal and, and, and distant and, and, and uh, sort of uh, untouchable and, and slowly becomes real and approachable and warm and engaged because we begin to perceive that he wants not just before we go to bed or not just when we get up or not for this just little slice of the pie he wants us to pray while we move He he wants to engage us in our everyday life, in our every moment of life. He wants us to practice his presence. I mean, Jesus said it. I'm with you always, and I'm going to be there at the end. Uh, I'm here. I'm available. What a shame it would be. What a shame it would be to go through life pretending to be religious Sort of pretending to be someone who, who follows Jesus and, and yet never take advantage of the, of the wealth that our Father in Heaven offered to us in this life and in the life to come. What a shame that would be. Let's not, let's, let's not regret the fact that we missed those moments, that we were like the disciples, oh, Pray, Dang. But what if we began to think about life on the move with God in the presence of the highs, the lows, the mediums, the boredom, everything. What if we really believed and really practiced the fact that God was with us as we just celebrated at Christmas and we began to invite him into those regular moments of our life not just the religious moments of our life that we were talking to god not with just our hands folded and our heads bowed and our eyes closed but with our hands on the wheel or as we looked through our neighborhood or our workplace or we looked at our families or we entered into those Those moments of tension with someone who who drives us crazy or has said some injuring things to us, and we realize that at that moment, God is available. That I can talk with my Father in heaven, and He wants to be present in every last second of my life. Let's pray. Father, as we think about who you are, uh, there are so many amazing things that we learn about in this book called the Bible. But at the same time, sometimes we just learn about them, we don't practice them. We don't practice the presence of our Father in heaven in our everyday life. It's so easy as Americans to get moving fast. And forget that you even exist or that you even care about all of these moments. And so we would confess, we would acknowledge how wrong that is in our lives. And we would ask for your help, Father. Slow us down. Help us to, to really practice this acronym that we're talking about to pause, to rejoice, then to ask, and then to yield. And to realize that this is our life, not my life. You want to be involved in it with me. And so, Father, help us as we learn the full-orbed nature of this idea of prayer. Help us to engage you in the small and the big moments of life.